0: there yeah.
1: The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll have tech writer Dan Berg. And we'll also hear from Jeff Gamet. He's from the Mac Observer. Lots of questions to ask about Apple and the tech industry in general. And no, I don't think I'm buying a 4K TV set this holiday season on the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, we have columnist Dan Berg joining us from a secret location on the West Coast. How secret is it?
2: It's not too secret. I'm at my parents' place in San Diego right now for the, the Thanksgiving holiday week.
1: Well, you know, we were in San Diego a couple of years ago. We picked up our dog from San Diego.
2: Inter- oh, yeah? Interesting
1: story. We have this Bichon named Teddy Bear. An overgrown Bichon weighs over 20 pounds. Nobody explains that because Bichons tend to be smaller. So there's this organization called Bichon for Kids. It's F-U-R. So it's actually Fur kids as opposed to for <laughs> kids. Of course. And they rescue Bichons that have been turned into a dog pound or something. So they post these messages purportedly from the animal where they kind of summarize the personality, the character of that animal. So my wife looked at this description about teddy bear and said, let's get that dog. Now it's been years since we had a dog before our son was born. And I looked at the description and said, yeah, you know, this would be a good fit. Mm -hmm. And to pick him up, we had to go to San Diego, which is like a seven hour or some odd drive from the Phoenix area.
2: Yeah, it's a decent, decent drive. That's for sure. My, my uh, younger sister is in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. So we left really early in the morning, had a brief lunch. The person who was the caregiver for Teddy Bear was washing him, giving him a bath, getting him groomed ready for his new home. And then we drove back. We didn't get back till late that night. And he's still hanging out with us. It was a worthy deal. And by the way, this is not a paid ad or anything. So if you're <laughs> listening to the ad-free version called Tech Night Owl Plus, it's B-I-C-H-O-N-F-U-R-Kids.org. Okay, it's B-I-C-H-O-N-F-U-R-Kids.org. It's a nonprofit organization. If you live in the West Coast or near the West Coast, check him out.
2: Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you have a dog? I do not. I actually have two cats, but I've had a dog growing up. Did your parents still have a dog? No, unfortunately, she's no longer with us.
1: That's the sad thing about it. They don't stick around as long as we do. Yeah, unfortunately. And they they become such devoted members of the family.
2: Yeah, they really do. They really do.
1: Let's move into tech stuff. I am not going to get a cyborg dog. Okay.
2: (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Never say never.
1: Well, I don't know. Wasn't somebody warning about the dangers of artificial intelligence? They may decide, like Terminator, that they're smarter than we are, therefore they should run our society.
2: Elon Musk was going on about that because he was talking about an investment that he made in an artificial intelligence company. And he was asked why he made that investment. And he said that it's a technology that absolutely terrifies him. So he wants to be involved in a company that's on the cutting edge. So he knows what's coming up and can have possibly have some say influence in that. So the fact that he's terrified by it absolutely terrifies me. So, yes, artificial intelligence is fairly terrifying.
1: And by the way, Siri is not artificial intelligence. It's not even close.
2: No, not even close. It's voice recognition and parsing what you're saying. Artificial intelligence is allowing the, the computers to think for themselves. So, uh, like, making assumptions about what you're saying. So, like, it might get there someday, but it, there's ways to limit it. Like, if you limit the machine's power to only do certain things, but if it's artificial intelligence, then it can build upon itself. So that's why it's, that's why it's kind of scary.
1: Well, the thing here is once the machine can replace itself. Once the machine can program itself, then we have created our competition. It's very true. Okay, so Skynet. Skynet, indeed.
2: We're getting close.
1: Well, that's it. But we always have these predictions from the late 20th century that the early 21st century would be like an Armageddon scenario. We'd have some kind of world war or some kind of outbreak of a disease and you'd have everybody fighting for survival this is the mad max scenario this was star trek first contact where this tiny band of humans including one scientist develops warp drive and kind of brings society back but i don't see society being in ruin yet but maybe i shouldn't be so optimistic
2: well i think the interesting thing is a lot of those plots happened when technology was new and so a lot of these storylines and a lot of these predictions came from the fear of new technology. At this point, it's no longer new technology. And we're kind of seeing how the technology has progressed. And in a way, we've kind of gotten used to it. So we're not as afraid. And I think that some of those predictions, well, not necessarily true. We could be heading in those directions, but we no longer have the collective fear uh, of technology. So... I don't think that that's why those kind of stories are not as popular today, but I still think we could head in those directions. And I still think largely we are heading in a lot of those directions. Just not yet. It's going to take a few more years.
1: Well, maybe I won't be around at the time to worry about it, but you will because you're a young whippersnapper.
2: (laughs) I'll get to see it. The destruction of humankind.
1: Oh, that's exciting. What a prospect. But, you know, when it comes to destruction for years, they've been predicting the destruction of Mm -hmm. Apple. Apple mm-hmm. is toast. Apple is screwed up. Tim Cook becomes the CEO of Apple. How can they have a supply chain guy run the company? We need another Steve Jobs. we need to bring him back. We need to use a Ouija board
2: yeah I mean, I think that everybody has, it's it's an easy thing to predict apple's failure mostly because it's been on top for so long now so statistically one company can't stay on top forever and so when you have these analysts or the journalists making predictions one of these days they're going to be right you know but i just i don't see it happening yet i actually just got the iphone 6 i did not go with the 6 plus i went with the 6 and It is a beautiful, beautiful device. I didn't think that I'd like it as much as I do. And I feel like with every device that Apple is putting out, I feel the same way. And I guess eventually, um, and we can talk about it later, the iPads, there's not as much innovation in there, but they're still continuing to put out top of the line products. And as long as they continue to do that, I, I don't foresee them going down anytime soon.
1: All right, let's look at that in more detail here with regard to the iPhone 6. You have the choice of the 6 or the 6 Plus. Why did you not choose a 6 Plus?
2: I didn't choose the 6 Plus because I like using my phone with one hand, and I like a smaller device in my pocket. Those were the two main things. And I also have the iPad Mini. And so for larger screen anything, I have that device. But the 6 Plus was just too big for me. And I mean, this might sound very specific to my locale, but when I'm riding on the subway and I want to use my phone, I'm holding on to one of the poles in the subway to keep my balance with one hand, and I'm using my phone in the other. And the 6 Plus just isn't as comfortable to do that. It It's just too big of a screen for me. And I know I have a bunch of friends that got the 6 Plus, and they're very, very happy with it. So it's a fantastic device, but it's just not the right device for me.
1: If you were a basketball player and you had pants with big pockets, you might change your tune.
2: Actually, I I hadn't thought of that, but yes, it's very possible. Like if it fit more comfortably in my hand, I love the bigger screens. And I also like, I'm the type of person that likes to get the biggest and the best that's out there. So like, that's why I went with the 5S when I could have just gotten the 5C because I wanted the fingerprint scanner. I wanted the faster everything. And I just, I need to have that. And so having the six plus out there, just the simple fact of having it exist makes me contemplate getting it. But just for practicality's sake, there isn't that much of a difference. And the six was just a better choice for me.
1: Dan Berg, tech columnist, joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night out Live. <laughs>
4: They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's
5: 800-686-2237. Hey, everyone. My Ghost 80% AR-15 project was a total success. Thank you, Guns80.com. Thank you. I bought my Ghost AR-15 at Guns80.com. It's everything I expected and more. Just got a note from my buddy Mark and now they're having a huge Black Friday and a big Cyber Monday sale. Guess Christmas is coming early this year. I'm definitely ordering one for my brother on Black Friday because the price drops to 400 bucks. Yes, I did just say that. 400 bucks. Unbelievable. At guns80.com, the big sale is on. It begins Friday, November 22nd and ends December 1st. So hurry now. Sale prices for Ghost ARs again 400 bucks black friday will be a good day get your ghost ar-15 at guns80.com sale is on right now at guns80.com that's guns80.com guns and the number 880.com happy holidays and merry christmas to everyone from our good friends at guns80.com the big sale is on i'll see you there with autumn in
6: the air it's time to think about getting ready for winter And it's time to save at herbalhealer.com. You'll find amazing seasonal savings to prepare you for the fight against cold and flu season. Like oregacillin to promote lung health. 30 capsules, regularly $34.95, now only $25. HHA Olive Leaf, a natural antiviral, normally $16.95 now. 60 capsules are just $12. HHA Elderberry Power, a great flu and virus fighter, regularly $16.95, 60 capsules, now $10. Save in all our homeopathic detoxes. Choose from lungs, kidney, liver, brain, libido, or whole body, normally $26.95, now just $20. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click on the Fall Winter Specials button to save on all our natural cold and flu-fighting products. Also explore our Herbal Healer Academy Correspondence courses that teach you how to handle your health naturally. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988.
1: A little bit later, Jeff Gamet from the Mac Observer will be here with his outspoken commentaries. Right now, we have tech columnist Dan Berg. He's telling you why he bought an iPhone 6 and not an iPhone 6 Plus. And it's not because of the illusion that it might bend. I think that's one of those absurd things that if you take a large aluminum device and you try hard enough, you'll be able to bend it. But it may not go back in position And I guess Apple might replace it if you give them a good story. But what reason would you do that? You know, one of our other regular guests, Dan, Kirk McElhern, who's the iTunes guy over at Macworld, he bought an iPhone 6. Mm -hmm. And he decided to send it back and keep his iPhone 5S. To him, the 6 was a bit too big. To me, it's the borderline. I think if it was any larger, I would not have gone in that direction. But I would certainly choose an iPhone 6 as the best upgrade path from the 5S. The other thing, of course, is that it's harder to get an iPhone 6 Plus. They're still having problems delivering those things on time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get the iPhone 6. I tried to get it when I was in New York. They were all sold out. I wasn't able to. I had to. I actually just got it when I came down to San Diego uh, to visit my family. We ran over to the Apple store, and I picked one up. And I still had to wait in a line like there was a line outside. He asked me which device I wanted. Originally, I wanted the gold. They didn't have the gold. So I ended up going with the space gray and I was able to snag it. But I, I still had to wait in a line. And this is how long? Like it's the end of November. It's like Thanksgiving. So, yeah.
1: Well, at this point, I guess you're saying like what, 25 or 30 percent iPhone six pluses and the rest iPhone six and the older product. But on the long haul, I'm sure Apple made a good bet there. But I have a really good feeling here that people who buy an iPhone 6 Plus are very much less apt to want to buy an iPad mini. It's taking sales away from the iPad, no doubt about it.
2: 100%. One of my friends that got the 6 Plus, I was asking him, why? Why would you get it? And his reasoning was that he wants the one device that does everything. Because he had the iPad mini. He gave that to his mother who, wanted, who, who needed a new ipad so he was looking at it and he just wanted one device that did everything and he was saying that typing on the ipad mini it was too difficult like it was too far apart and then typing for a long time on the 5s or even the 6 was just uncomfortable but now that he has the 6 plus he has no problem like typing out longer work emails or doing actual real work on the device so for him it's just the perfect size
1: So as far as we can see, everybody has a different taste. And Apple doesn't mind if you buy an iPhone 6 Plus as opposed to an iPad Mini because they make more money from it.
2: Yeah, and the amazing thing to me is previously, all of the iPhone releases, there's been one that's been the latest technology, the newest and the best, and then one that was basically last year's technology. Whether they were literally selling last year's iPhone for a lower price or in the case of the 5C, selling last year's technology in a new shell. You always knew which was the new one and which was last year's model. And in this case, with the 6 and the 6 Plus, they're both new and they're both desirable. So it's it's a brand new year and concept for Apple where you can buy either or. And they're both the latest, greatest technology.
1: Well, Apple loves when you buy more and more of their gear. That's how the whole system works. But let's just get back to the Apple death wish. And I'll preface this by telling you a story. Ten years ago, I went to the Macworld Expo in San Francisco, one of the Steve Jobs Expos. I had the press pass. I had my son Grayson with me. I also had a friend, Mark, who had never, ever gone to a Macworld Expo. So I got him a press pass. So he sat with me, listened to the reality distortion field, quote unquote, from Steve Jobs. was so impressed, he gets out, calls his stockbroker on his mobile phone, and buys several hundred thousand dollars worth of Apple stock. So the guy had a, you know, a little bit of money. So he paid, I think, 23 or $24 a share. Oh, my gosh. All right. Now, he sold it off a few months later for a decent profit. If he held on to it for a decade, 2004 to 2014, that stock would have appreciated 35 times. Because we're counting, you know, the seven-for-one stock split here
8: yeah 35
1: times so an investment of say say it was $200,000 i'm not giving you the exact figure 200,000 times 35 <laughs> it'd be worth millions yeah and i thought to myself gee you know here's my situation i'm a tech journalist and in terms of ethics someone covering a company should not hold stock in that company now sometimes the exception would be that you buy one or two shares to keep track of how things are going to get all of the investor information, that sort of thing. But that's nonsense. That's all publicized. So if I had considered that when I had some decent book royalties back in the late 90s and Apple's stock price was maybe $12, 13 a share, and I think that's before another stock split, imagine if I spent maybe $50,000 on Apple stock back in the late 90s, after Steve Jobs took over, what would I be worth today? More than that friend of mine, Mark.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's exactly true. I mean, the thing that I'm really kicking myself about is back when Bitcoin was first getting popular, I bought a few Bitcoins just to kind of play around with the system, see how it worked. And I was buying them when they were 11 or $12 each. And I'm kicking myself because I got up and then I sold them immediately to a friend of mine who was also we were exploring it. And I didn't hold on to anything. And now, of course, they shot up to their high, which was what was it like 150 or 250 or no, it's been like five or six, like insanely high jump. And I just wished that I had just poured more money into Bitcoin. At the time, I was also doing journalism and covering Bitcoin. So I didn't want to actually hold on to it for the similar ethics of the whole thing. But man, looking back, it's just like, okay, well, I wouldn't need the career as a journalist because I'd have millions of dollars.
1: Do you really believe in Bitcoin though? I have worried about that because a couple of these Bitcoin financial institutions or banks have had problems. There was a security problem with one of them, as I recall. So how can we trust Bitcoin?
2: You can't. I mean, yeah, I don't think that it's a I think that investing in Apple is a much more sound investment decision than investing in Bitcoin. But that doesn't stop the fact that I could have bought them at $12 and sold them for five or 600 and made a lot of money. But yeah, Mount Gox fell. There's still a lot of issues with the whole system. I do think that at some point it will stabilize. And I for all the cryptocurrencies out there, I do believe that digital currency is going to be something... In the future, and I think Bitcoin is going to play a role in that. But as of right now, there's too much going on to truly recommend it as a viable investment decision.
1: And certainly, if you have to make an investment decision very carefully because every dollar counts, you don't get into a risky investment. I mean, if you have a spare couple of thousand dollars, I don't know if any people who have that anymore. <laughs> but if you have a spare couple of thousand and you want to have fun. I guess Bitcoin is no worse than anything else. But if you really are going to depend on that for your retirement or maybe to buy a new home or a new car, I wouldn't invest in anything that wacky.
2: Don't close out your 401k and throw it all into Bitcoin. (laughs) Definitely do not do that.
1: Dan Berg didn't do that. Gene Steinberg doesn't have a 401k. (laughs) This is the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN.
12: expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health. A balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been A Secret Too Long. Actualize your potential. Reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. 201-945-1177. 201-945-1177. EvolveYourself.com.
13: Do you have relatives and friends that are convinced there is no need ever to prepare for any kind of emergency? Are these also folks you buy Christmas presents for? At 30dayfoodsupply.com we can solve both of these problems at the same time. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010. We can ship your Christmas presents directly to them. Choose from our original $99 30-day food supply, our long-term storage vegan burger mixes, and other oatmeal, soups, porridges, beans, and granolas for everyday use. All products are non-gmo msg free and vegetarian most are gluten soy and nut free call 541-229-0010 today oregon trail foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low cutting out the middleman by buying directly from their producers in oregon remember only ten dollars ships your entire order to the lower 48 visit the website 30dayfoodsupply.com call 541-229-0010 30dayfoodsupply.com 541-229-0010
14: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl because you never know what's going to happen next.
1: I'm the Tech Night Owl live columnist. Steinberg is here. I want to tell you again about our little new feature called. Tech Night Owl Plus. You go to plus P L U S dot tech owl dot com plus dot tech owl dot com. You get information on how to sign up for Tech Night Owl Plus. And right now we have a chat room in there, but we also give you an ad free version of the show. You know, all the extra ads, all those inserts between bumpers, those three or four minutes, they go bye bye. You get a higher resolution version of the show. And it's just five dollars a month about the cost of a small frappuccino at Starbucks or $50 a year. That's a good deal. Tech Night Out Plus. And if Dan Berg's nice, I think because he is a regular guest, we'll give him a complimentary subscription.
2: Yeah, that would be fantastic. But that's that's fantastic. I like that.
1: So that's a way of doing it to answer the people who say they don't like commercials. And for those who want to hear the free version, it's still available. We hope you listen to the ads because if an advertiser sells product they'll come back. So there you go. Let's get back with our tech discussion. So anyway, we were talking around the way about the Apple is dead movement. And I told you the story about my friend Mark and Grayson and myself, where Mark bought some Apple stock and it appreciated well. But look what would have happened had he waited for a decade or more. How much money he'd be worth. Maybe he's reinvested in the stock. I haven't talked to him in recent years, so I'd be curious to see what he's done. In any case, let's move into the Apple thing. So Apple now has a market cap of $700 million, bigger than any company on the planet that we know of. I don't know about planets in other star systems, anything off planet, but that's how it is here. Apple makes smartphones. They make computers. They make tablets. They make Music players, they sell music, the largest market cap on the planet. Is that something that's just kind of an artificial figure, the nonsense involved in the stock market, or is anything you should take seriously? Because considering the products Apple sells, they're bigger than General Motors, they're bigger than Exxon, they're bigger than all these companies, they're larger than some countries even. How do you take that seriously?
2: Well, I think that they're allowing a lot of those companies to operate i mean a lot of these other companies if you were to ask them to go back to a world before computers you would see a very different type of company and their their businesses would probably drop and their market cap would probably drop so apple has put itself in a very very good position along with all the other uh, computer manufacturers i'm sure a lot of those larger companies are also highly dependent on windows products if not most of them but i feel like computer companies have the unique position of enabling all business to work and so the fact that they have a higher market cap than all of these other maybe longer more established companies it doesn't surprise me at all because if you make the platform with which other businesses and companies can grow then you're just you just have tremendous value
1: well let's also look at the reality of the situation here is this a bubble that eventually has to burst? Apple can't keep growing like this forever. They subsume the entire planet.
2: Uh, I don't think they can grow like this forever, but I definitely see them staying at the top or near the top indefinitely. Um, yeah, because I mean, like during the gold, people always give this analogy, but during the gold rush, it wasn't the miners that made the money. It was Levi Strauss selling the blue jeans and the people that were selling the picks because you're enabling other people to potentially get rich and strike gold. And that's exactly what Apple and other computer manufacturers are doing. They're supplying the platform. And I I think that it's a, it's a space where another, I don't think you could have a third party competition that could come in and really compete with Apple and Microsoft right now. It's just such a huge leap to get there. And as such it's going to be a long while before apple or microsoft leaves the the top so to speak and i think it's going to take another technology to come in and replace computers or for the thing that enables computers to run uh, if if there was i i can't even conceive of it now but if there was a platform that would enable the computer industry to grow beyond its current scope, then that's going to be the next big thing and the next big monster corporation. But who knows what that's going to be or how long it's going to be until something like that happens.
1: Well, the other question is, is there some startup in a garage that will be magical 10 years from now? Hit areas that Apple doesn't touch. And the other thing is about Apple, does it become too comfortable over time? You know, you're making all this money, you have all the success. And yes, we see various innovative products. We have Apple Pay, which I guess was sort of expected, not expected, because Apple was promising new products and services. And we have the Apple Watch coming next year. And I guess Apple can do other things. Maybe Apple could have the Apple Food Replicator kind <laughs> of overhaul the entire nutrition industry. I don't know. I'm only guessing here. I have no idea what Apple has in the laboratories, but there has to be a point as there is with any tech company where someone else in the garage comes up with something Apple didn't think about or Microsoft didn't think about, or Google didn't think about.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we've already started seeing that with in the smartwatch category, which Apple will just announce that they're getting into, hasn't actually gotten into it yet, but you had a startup that was enabled by Kickstarter and they released the Pebble smartwatch. And at this point in time, the Pebble is the best smartwatch you can get, better than anything else any of, even the established companies have put out. And I think the Apple Watch is a cool concept, but I think that the Apple Watch is going to be great in two or three years. I don't think that this first version is going to be good at all. It might change things and enable things, and I have their little single rolling button thing that, is new and unique which i think is necessary for the smartwatch category but yeah i think it's going to be some time and in the meantime that allows startups to have the idea act quickly get into the space get market share and if they find the right category or thing to do that then they're great the only issue is going to be these larger companies seeing a successful startup and then purchasing them and these startups just getting pulled into the larger companies you need somebody like a mark zuckerberg who's going to say no i have a grander vision to build up into a larger company that can someday compete with the big dogs
1: i think the thing i worry about here with regard to something like facebook they spend billions of dollars on whatsapp was that an absurd decision
2: i guess it remains to be seen who knows What Facebook is doing right now, Facebook wants to be a platform where every single person is using because when they have those millions of users using their services, then they're able to basically do whatever they want. And when you have all these different verticals where you have Facebook, the actual website, you have WhatsApp, you have Instagram, all these different ways that people are using Facebook services, if they make one misstep somewhere, then you still have people using their services or not putting all their eggs in one basket. Plus, it gives them the freedom to roll out and try new things in terms of revenue, in terms of influencing their users, in terms of pretty much everything. So I think Mark Zuckerberg has a vision that only he and a couple other people are very privy to. And I think it's very interesting to watch to see where that company goes. So WhatsApp is great because everybody's using it, not just in the U S just everywhere, because it works on a lot of the quote unquote dumb phones as well. And so he's getting those users and that market share, even if they can't create Facebook profiles.
1: Right. But of course, with iMessage from Apple, it kind of works back and forth, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, but you can't get iMessage on uh, a flip phone.
1: Of course. Well, that's the other issue. And I know though, with people with flip phones, Sending texts has got to be kind of awkward. I know I tried it. My son was great at it. I could never get it to work consistently for more than a few words. My sister-in-law has a more traditional mobile phone, and she's never been able to use messaging. Let's get into more of this in a moment. Dan Berg joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN.
16: What good is a big Berkey water filter?
17: filters can last for five to ten years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at bigberkeywaterfilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call one 99 berkey That's eight seven seven ninety nine 99 berkey Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. know
14: what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
1: this is our post-thanksgiving edition of the Tech Night Owl Live. Remember Tech Night Owl Plus with the ad free show and everything. Five bucks a month, fifty dollars a year. Go to plus.technightowl.com. P L U S dot owl.com. Let's get back with our discussions. And we were talking, of course, about messaging and how important messaging is. So, has messaging taken away the current use of regular phones much? Voice phones.
2: I, I definitely think so. And I think it's good for Facebook to get in there because right now Facebook owns WhatsApp and WhatsApp is used by a bunch of uh, less rich companies, like people that are still using the flip phones and the cheaper phones. And so Facebook has this entire market share of these people and their technology isn't going to stagnate where they are. That's going to keep improving slowly and surely. And if Facebook already has that market share and those users, then they can grow and evolve WhatsApp to match the technology improvements in those other countries. And suddenly they have the largest user base anywhere because they're actually paying attention to these companies or the countries that have technology that isn't quite up to the speed of our first world's uh, technology.
11: Let's
1: go back a little bit to discussions about the Mac. Okay. Yes.
2: Yeah. So, okay.
1: So surprisingly, the Mac is doing amazingly well. You know, this is the twilight of the PC era. People aren't buying personal computers anymore, but I did notice two trends. I guess desktop PCs were selling in higher numbers because people were upgrading older PCs, which makes sense. But the Mac has been a star here. And it's not as if a lot of innovation has come there. I suppose you can call the iMac... 27 inch iMac 5k innovative because of the screen but that's it
2: i think that the people that want and use desktops are still people that are going to be buying those desktops and i feel like the technology there is pretty much maxed out as long as you have a powerful desktop you can do pretty much anything you'd want to do whether that be i think the most labor intensive process is is gaming and as long as you can run all the latest to greatest games at high quality settings, you're good and you're set with a computer. And of course, there's always tweaks and improvements that can be done, but that's a very niche audience. So I think that they still need to offer these devices, still have them out there. But I mean, there, there's not many more improvements that can be had. It's all kind of just tweaking for specific usage. And you have the Mac Pro, which is good for video editing, demanding, all that kind of stuff. You have Uh, the Mac, which is good for people that actually want a desktop, but for everybody else, you have all these plethora of other devices to choose from.
1: All right. The other thing here, of course, is with personal computers, when does the time come or is there a time that people go more and more to tablets? It seems that tablets have stalled. I guess part of it is that the large smartphones have taken away some of that market, the consumption devices. So is there a point where tablets take over more of the PC chores, or does the PC never go below a certain rate?
2: Well, I think it's going to be a generational thing rather than just a shift in society. Because I think the important thing to remember is that the younger generation, their first computer was not a desktop. Their first computer was not a laptop. Their first computer is either... Their parents' smartphone, which they take when they want to play some games, or their parents' tablet when they want to play some games, or just like a cheapo little kid's tablet. So those are their first interactions with technology. And I think that when this generation of people who their first computers and their main computers growing up were smartphones and tablets, get older... They're going to be the ones that are more drawn to getting the tablets. And it's going, I still think it's going to be laptops or desktops, but majority laptops when they're at work. So their work computer is going to be a laptop, but they're going to leave that at work. They're not going to take that at home and they're going to have a tablet to do all of their personal computing uh, or a smartphone and a tablet or whatever combination works for them. And I think that that's the generation that really is going to allow tablets to grow in popularity, because that's going to be what they know. That's going to be a computer to them. Whereas for you and myself, having an actual laptop, a computer at home, that's what a computer is. And these tablets are offshoots of that. When perception-wise, for the younger generation, that's not the case.
1: Well, my son is right now deciding what his next computer is going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, for his graduation in 2008, his college graduation, we got him a black MacBook, okay? Yeah. And it's not compatible with the latest versions of OS X because it's not a 64-bit computer. It's one of the first generation or early generation Intel processors, and that particular model was not 64-bit. So I think it went through Lion, but not Mountain Lion and not, of course, Mavericks or, of course, Yosemite. He's wondering at this point whether he should just get himself an iPad and then maybe get an accessory keyboard. So if he has to do writing, which is his primary productive work, the primary thing with which he produces on a computer other than email, he'd be able to do more extended writing projects. So the question is here, can we take an iPad and have it substitute for the functions of a notebook under most circumstances. I know Macworld Magazine had a piece about this some time back. And the way their system works, because they're using a custom content management system for articles, not WordPress, but you get the picture. This worked best with a regular computer. So the question is here, can the iPad take over more and more of those functions? I mean, you can even use it for music editing on a touchscreen. I wouldn't edit videos on it other than, of course, iMovie videos.
2: I think that for a large majority of people, the iPad is definitely sufficient. I have a friend of mine who composes music and used to work on GarageBand on the desktop, and he's moved everything over to the iPad. It does everything that he needs it to do. And I think that over time, the video editing uh, functionality will definitely improve. And yeah, I mean, for me, I do a lot of photo editing i do a lot of video and audio editing on my computer and so having a an actual laptop is the best device for me but for a lot of people they they don't do that and they just don't need it and i feel like more and more that's going to be the case where the laptop is going to be the outlier and a tablet or a six plus is going to be all the devices somebody needs
1: That's a good question where it's going to go, where the technology is going to go. Of course, Steve Jobs kind of said that a while back, you know, in the last couple of years of his life, he talked of the personal computer being the Mac truck, but we still need our trucks and we still need our SUVs.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly true. And I'm going to continue using uh, the truck, but I, I would highly encourage somebody, if you can get something smaller and lighter, then do that because- I feel like there's a lot of people that are really hesitant to give up their laptops and their computers because that's what they know and that's what they're comfortable with. But for a large majority of people, you just really have to look at how often you're actually using your computer and what you're doing on it. Like for me, when I get home, I immediately open up my laptop and I am using my computer, and I turn on my TV, and I watch Hulu or Netflix in the background, but that's more as like background while I'm on my computer. For a lot of people, that's not the case. They come home, they go out, they're cooking all evening with the TV in the background, they're reading, listening to music, they're doing all of these other activities that aren't on a computer. And for those cases, they're using their smartphones to check Facebook. They're jumping on their computer to do email or write something real quick. And if you're the type of person that is occasionally jumping on a computer to check messages or write a quick email or something, then a tablet is going to be all that you need. And your life is going to be so much better when you just have a tablet because you can toss that in your bag if you need to bring it with you. You can... Pretty much bring it wherever you want. The battery lasts fantastically long for these things, and you're good to go. But, I mean, for me, if I spend majority of my waking time in front of a computer, I still am going to want that more powerful, larger, familiar kind of device.
1: Now, for me, in the evening, except for special circumstances, I do my work on an iPhone mm. because I'm just answering a few pieces of email or doing some commerce or checking some bills, things like that, or checking out a few sites. Anything more intense, I have to go back to my regular Mac to do the work. The kind of work I do, editing these shows, preparing these shows, recording these shows, in theory, some of that can be done on iPad, but it's not there for me yet. Now, I'm currently testing the iPad Air 2, Apple sent us one, and I have a few remarks to make about that in our next segment with Dan Berg. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: UnseenNow.com. Proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools. Keep your communications secure. G-C-N. For all our loyal listeners, it's time for another giveaway. Over the next 30 days, our friends at SupernaturalSilver.com are giving away six 16-ounce Supernatural Silver liquid valued at nearly $100 per bottle or their skin and body gel priced at $49.98. All you have to do is enter and win at GCNlive.com. Hurry, contest ends December 5th. GCN can give you and your loved ones a fighting chance with the Supernatural Silver giveaway at GCNlive.com.
4: Alex Jones here. For the last two years I've been working with top doctors nutritionists and chemists to design a nutraceutical formulation that has truly life changing health benefits so many other formulations out there contain toxic ingredients, synthetic additives and even GMOs introducing the all new ancient defense herbal immunity blend crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit InfoWarsLife.com or call 1-888-253-3139. That's InfoWarsLife.com.
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Dan Berg, tech columnist, is here. We'll hear a little bit later from Jeff Gamet from the Mac Observer. So let's just talk about this, the value of an iPad for productivity. Now, obviously, we're seeing Microsoft recognizing that fact. They have Office for the iPad, revised Office apps for iPhone, and they're now beta testing Office for Android. And they're trying to keep the feature set as similar as possible given the differences of platforms. So Microsoft is seeing tablets as an alternative. For productivity, even though the surface tablets have gone nowhere, of course, the sales a sales, sale, so if Microsoft can sell licenses for their productivity apps, fine, but they're seeing the potential
2: here I definitely agree with that. for a company like Microsoft, the thing that's important, the most important in terms of their office suite and productivity software is market share. They just need to have as many users as possible, and this is something that dropbox Figured out a long time ago, where Dropbox is external storage. And the important thing for Dropbox is not to target just specific operating systems, but to be able to be a system that you can use and rely on and, and trust no matter what device you have. So for Dropbox, it is absolutely important that no matter what new technology or device or company pops up, Dropbox is creating compatibility with that new product or service or company. And I think that Microsoft made a misstep in only making their software based on their operating system. Because back in the day when it was just mainly Microsoft and Apple, that worked because you had almost everybody using Windows. You had that market share, you had that potential, and that allowed your company to grow. And as things are getting more divided based on companies and devices, they lost that. And now they're starting to realize that It's not like people are going to buy the Surface Pro or RT simply because they want to use Microsoft Office. And that's how it used to be. And it's really not that case anymore. So they're really seeing how important it is to have the market share, no matter what device people are using. And they're getting in there, which I think is really smart for them. It's going to be the only way that they can really survive.
1: Well, they're certainly not going to survive on the hardware. I just wonder how this deal they did with Nokia to get the handset division, how those Lumia phones from Microsoft are going to fare. Or is that just going to be considered a loss leader from Microsoft to keep the platform going, the Windows Phone platform, or whatever the heck they call it?
2: Yeah. I mean, Windows Phone, I don't see as varying very well. So it'll, yeah, I, I, it's very sad. I loved the Lumias. Those were actually. Fantastic phones, and if they had the same amount of apps and functionality as iOS and Android, I could definitely see them faring, but they just couldn't attract the developers and the apps, and they didn't have a big enough market share and it, I think I think it's just sad
1: well, I think Microsoft is going to eventually have to give up on the surface exercise it's not of course that Microsoft tends to give up things. Look at the xbox the Xbox. They sold for a number of years before it became profitable. They will never get back the millions they lost. But of course, that came off their taxes. So I guess you don't count that. So maybe they figured with the Surface tablet, eventually they'll have something. But now that they've expanded into other platforms, because they can get a larger mindset accepting Microsoft again, maybe that's made the difference. Let's move on to other subjects and other companies. There's a published report now, you've probably seen this, Danberg, where Apple is supposedly considering other options when their contract with Google ends in 2015 for the default search position. So right now, you get yourself a new Mac, you get yourself a new iPhone, a new iPad. The search is Google and Safari, the default, but you have a choice of Yahoo, You have a choice of Microsoft, which powers Yahoo's search engine. You also now have a support of DuckDuckGo, which is kind of like a private search service. So, of course, they're not recording your keystrokes or something. Whatever. The point here is Apple has kind of loosened its dependence on Google, but the final step has been the default search engine. Apple's using Bing for search. It's one of the features for Spotlight. So again, they've moved a little bit away from Google. Does Apple make that final jump where Google now becomes the alternative rather than default?
2: I definitely think so. I feel like I well, Mozilla just announced that it uh, it makes their browser Firefox, and they used to have Google as the default search, and they just recently switched to Yahoo. It was a big announcement that they made, and I definitely see Apple moving in the same direction especially when they dropped google in terms of their maps application for their own technology and i think they're just trying to cut ties with google which it i I have mixed feelings about because google definitely has a motive and their motive is to sell you products through their advertising and the way that they do that is through search so whenever you're giving google search traffic you're also lining their pockets, which thus allows them to compete with you more. And so Apple knows this. They don't have the best relationship with Google, so I can see them moving. Um, As far as myself, I'm definitely going to switch that back to Google because as of right now, it's just the best search engine and it gets me exactly what I want. I know how to use it. I've tried Bing. I've tried DuckDuckGo. I've tried Yahoo and they just don't provide the same search results. But I know that for a majority of computer users, they they don't even really know what a search engine is or that they can change it. So they're just using the default settings. I think that's going to be a big blow to Google because the majority of people that click the Google ads and make those purchases are probably the people that don't know computers enough to do the research, to be able to change settings, to go through and know exactly what they're doing. And so that would be a big blow to Google.
1: This is very important. This is the fact that the way it works is that for most people, they never change the default settings anywhere yeah they go they just go with what's there, so Google stands to lose a lot of business, but from a financial point of view, Apple brings a lot of money to Google, no matter what Google has to be fighting tooth and nail to keep this contract
2: you know I don't think they want to be Google is siloed into so many different divisions that I'm sure that there is their search division that is just absolutely terrified of being dropped from Apple. And I'm sure that there's another division that's looking at this as an amazing opportunity where they're gonna cut their ties to Apple and then they're gonna have the freedom to explore these other avenues or venues of revenue or wherever else, expansion, whatever else Google has in mind. So just like you were talking about Microsoft and the Xbox, the division that makes the Xbox is completely different than the, the division that makes the Surface Pro. I mean, they probably don't even talk to each other much. They're so owned by the same parent company, but it's not like they have much to do with each other. And I'm sure Google is likewise siloed. And so, yes, there's definitely a bunch of people at Google that are just absolutely terrified at this prospect. But I'm sure that there is a large majority of people at Google that are also excited by this. And the Once you cut those ties, you have just so much more freedom to do other things. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes, because change is always scary. Change is always uncertain. But I feel like Google is a big enough and a smart enough of a company to find other avenues and venues to grow as a company.
1: Well, you look at
2: Android,
1: and this is something I just don't understand. It's supposed to be the free platform. But people who accept Android, they have to pay royalties to Microsoft. And Samsung's involved in a legal misbehavior with Microsoft over alleged fees owned on each sale. So how can something that's free, which actually costs the handset maker money because of Microsoft, be even worth it? In the end, how many companies who make smartphones are making money as a result of having Android? And the answer is not many.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I don't know what else to say because there's no other good options. You can't put iOS on it because that's Apple. They control everything. So your option that you have is Android. And that that kind of, it, you got to take what you can get to try to make some money.
1: You do the best you can. Exactly. And you hope that it would work. We've got more to come. One more segment with Dan Berg. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Mm-hmm.
11: Mike Stenerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it. So decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237 extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237 extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237 extension 116.
12: With autumn in the air, it's
6: time to think about getting ready for winter. And it's time to save at herbalhealer.com. You'll find amazing seasonal savings to prepare you for the fight against cold and flu season. Like oregacillin to promote lung health. 30 capsules, regularly $34.95, now only $25. HHA Olive Leaf, a natural antiviral, normally $16.95 now. 60 capsules are just $12. HHA Elderberry Power, a great flu and virus fighter, regularly $16.95, 60 capsules, now $10. Save in all our homeopathic detoxes. News from lungs, kidney, liver, brain, libido, or whole body, normally $26.95, now just $20. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click on the Fall Winter Specials button to save on all our natural cold and flu-fighting products. Also explore our Herbal Healer Academy Correspondence courses that teach you how to handle your health naturally. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988.
7: This is a Tech Night Owl
1: Live. Dan Berg, tech journalist, joins us. Again, go to plus, plus.technightowl.com, com and learn about Tech Night Owl Plus, our premium service, five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year to get the ad-free version of the show and other benefits coming. Let's continue our discussion here, and we were focusing on Apple, on Google, on the fact of the possible replacement of Microsoft's Bing or Yahoo as a default search engine, depending on how Apple does. Let's look at one more thing before we let him go. Dan Berg, let me ask you as a young snapper, and I'm going to snap the whip if you don't listen to this question. As a young whippersnapper, do you have a watch?
2: Yes, but I always forget to wear it. <laughs> so what kind of watch? The one that I wear most is a Citizen. And I've got a few watches. I got a couple of swatches like I have a lot of cool watches, but I always forget to wear them.
1: Okay, so do you buy an Apple Watch?
2: I will buy it eventually. I will buy it in a few years. I'm not going to be one of the early adapters with the watch. I mean, the Apple Watch, what I know about it and what I've seen, it just doesn't appeal to me. Like, I have no problem wearing a watch. I, I mostly like wearing it just like as a fashion accessory, just because I think watches are so cool. But I don't think that these huge computer watches are cool looking. They just don't have that sleek look. The Moto X is, or was it the Moto X? No, the Moto 360, that's the watch, is awesome. I love the way that that looks, but I don't like the way that the screen looks because it's still the square screen just with the corners cut off for the round watch face. And I like the concept of the Apple Watch, but I think what we always forget as Apple fans and Apple users is, We want Apple to release a perfect device immediately, and that's really not what Apple does. Apple likes withholding features so that the next device that they release will have each of those features and people will buy it because they want that. So like with the iPhone, you have copy and paste. I'm sure that it really wasn't that difficult for Apple to include copy and paste on the earlier versions of the iPhone and iOS. But... When they withhold it at the beginning and then they give it to you, everybody gets even more excited. Everybody's going to be buying more devices. I feel like that's what we're going to be seeing with the smartwatch, where the first ones are going to come out. You're going to have the early adopters. It's not going to do a lot. It's going to be like the very first iPhone. But you have the the following year or two years down the line when they start adding those dream quote-unquote features, then that's when the watch is actually going to be viable, it's going to be smaller, it's going to look fantastic. I think this is really smart for Apple because they're going to build these features based on what the demand and what the usage is. So it's it's lean startup methodology for their products, which is smart. And we always forget it. and We always like slam the early version being like, well, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this. But I think that's on purpose. And the purpose is to build a better product and to sell more down the line.
1: Well, I don't know. I keep thinking about this. I have been using a watch since I was 10 years old.
2: Uh-huh. I
1: favor the fancy-looking watches like a chronograph. I currently have a guest watch, and I currently have one of those Casio watches. I haven't worn them lately because I haven't gotten around to replacing the batteries. You know, Yeah, that's ha- my biggest issue. Right. I have to go to the store and sit there and let them replace the batteries. And I'll have the time, obviously, on the Black Friday weekend and the Cyber Monday weekend. It's not the good time to go to the shopping malls. So when I'm ready, I'll go there. Now I have to think it's 2015. I get a tax refund, maybe. All right. I get a tax refund. And I think, should I pay off some bills? Okay. Is there going to be enough? Maybe I'll go get myself an Apple Watch, like the $349 version, because I expect they may cost a 1000 or two. So the question here is, do I buy an Apple Watch? Do I need one? Do I have any purpose for one? Because I'm still tied into the iPhone. I forget the iPhone. What does the Apple Watch do?
2: Yeah, and as of right now, uh, Apple just released their Watch Kit, which is the development, documentation, and ability to create applications for the watch and the very first thing that they released is creating apps that are tied to the iphone so they announced that there's going to be two different types of watch apps there's ones that run independently and ones that are reliant on having a smartphone with you so right now developers only have the ability to create applications that are tied directly to the iphone and i don't know when they're going to release the rest of the watch kit but I mean, for me, I feel like the people that are going to get the iWatch are the people that like being the first to have new technology, the people that want to play with it, developers who want to experiment with creating applications. But in terms of, I think even a lot of tech lovers aren't going to go with it just because it's not yet a a finished product. It's like the Oculus Rift, where the Oculus Rift still is the developer edition. And the Oculus Rift is the virtual reality headset if anybody's listening and hasn't actually played around with it. And it's fantastic. It's amazing technology, but it's still sold as a developer version because it's for developers and non-developers buy it and play around with it, but it's still kind of in beta. And that's how I see the first version of the Apple watch is they're going to see how people are using it. It's not, a perfect device by any means, but it's going to be a stepping stone. And in two or three years, they're going to have a device that has more mainstream appeal, both in both in appearance and functionality.
1: Well, I don't know, again, what's going to happen. I have a feeling that Apple eventually has to consider a way to make the Apple Watch standalone.
2: Yeah, me too. We've, we've discussed this a lot in the past, where my prediction was it's going to be a very much a standalone device. I think that that's going to be one of the features that in two or three years down the line, Apple is going to release it and it's going to be a feature. And then everybody who came to be reliant on older versions of the watch is going to have to go out and buy this new one because they want this brand new added functionality.
1: Well, calling Dick Tracy. That's my response. (laughs) Uh Uh, Calling Dick. I don't know. I haven't made a final decision yet. I think that's going to be a luxury purchase, which is why Apple is pushing towards the fashion industry. That's why they had fashion industry professionals showing up at the rollout event. That's why they are going to have the version with the gold and the version with the stainless steel. And what do you think the gold version of the Apple Watch is going to cost? I've heard from 1500 to 5000
2: Uh, I have no idea, and uh, nobody's going to buy it. I mean, the way that technology works is in one year, the device that you have is out of date. So whatever cost you're spending on the watch, it's not like a traditional watch where you're buying that and you have that for the rest of your life. It's not a Rolex, you know. It, it's a piece of technology that in one year it's going to be out of date. And of course, you could resell it, but you're reselling last year's technology, and so you're just not going to get nearly the same amount of value for it. It's not even like a car or uh, an actual watch in terms of resale value. It just drastically decreases because of the way the technology works. So I don't know why people would possibly even think about purchasing that. It makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. We've had a lot of fun talking to Dan Berg. Where can we find more information about the things you are up to?
2: Yeah, you can find me at my website, which is novicenolonger.com, where I talk about apps and smartphones and stuff, or on Twitter, which is Dan Berg. And Dan is spelled with two N's. So D-A-N-N-B-E-R-G.
1: Dan Berg, thanks for coming on the Tech
9: Night Out Live. Thank you so much for having me. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is
1: GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount For all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out.
16: Hi, this is Laura Garris of Lady Talk Live. With the current threat of epidemics and pandemics threatening us and medical resources dwindling, it's time we protect ourselves. That's why I use Longevity's immune booster, Beta 500. Beta 500 is the most powerful immune system booster you can buy. This proprietary blend provides the most studied and proven immune system booster available. Order now. Call 855-333-5239. That's 855-333-5239.
14: what's going to happen next you never know when you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
1: just a reminder that we have this new premium service with our tech night Owl live it's called tech night owl plus Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com, and here's what happens when you go there. You will get the information on how to subscribe, five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year, and you'll get ad-free versions of the Tech Night Owl Live at a higher resolution, so the audio is cleaner and crisper, and other benefits will be added later. Tech Night Owl Plus. We have Jeff Gamet from the Mac Observer. This is our Black Friday, post-Thanksgiving edition, where we're covering all sorts of stuff. And since we think about commerce and entertainment and fun during the holiday season, we're going to talk about something that to many people isn't so entertaining. It's called iTunes. And the criticism being that iTunes 12
19: is a nightmare. What do you think? I'm definitely frustrated with iTunes 12. I I know some people, like Dave Hamilton, he's he has decided he actually really likes it. The problem that I have with iTunes is that it's, it's clear Apple knows what they want us to do with our music, which isn't always in line with what I want to do with my music. And uh, Apple is moving, I think more and more into, uh, into generating iTunes revenue through subscriptions as opposed to straight music sales and uh, and you know people ripping CDs and, and loading them into their iTunes library. And there are a lot of us that are still consuming our music outside of a streaming model, or at least a substantial portion of that music, because I actually do both. And it's just frustrating having an application that is catering not to what I need and, uh, and, and, You know, if it was another app, I would just be like, all right, I just go find a different app. Like Apple's Calendar app. It's a perfectly fine app, but Fantastical meets my needs for managing my schedule in in a better way. With iTunes, I don't have a choice. I can't go to another application and have it handle all of the iTunes stuff for me. it's, It's just iTunes. Well, part of the problem is here when Apple came out with iTunes... They sucked the air
1: out of the market for that thing, because why pay for, at that point, just a music player app if Apple is giving it away? Maybe the music player app has more features,
19: but that's a really hard sell for most people. To Apple's credit, when iTunes was released, it was great, and it it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It did it really well. The problem has been over the years, and I think this is a problem that Apple wasn't able to anticipate, even with as forward-thinking as they are. iTunes started to become something that encompassed a lot more than music management. It's a it it handles TV shows and movies now. It handles uh, uh, synchronization of content between our iOS devices. So there's all these other things that have been kind of lumped in to, to iTunes, and it's become too big for, for what it's supposed to be. And I think Apple's in a position where it will be very difficult for them to get us out of that, because whether or not they intended it to be this way, iTunes has essentially become the nexus of, of our media world. And why do we even call it iTunes anymore? That's a good question, because we're using iTunes to buy music or apps. We're using iTunes to transfer files, and, which, which is a very cumbersome process. And we're using iTunes for all these other things that, that are not tunes. It's, it's, a, it's a video player, which isn't exactly tunes. Do we call it iMedia? But then that name is probably trademarked by somebody. I'm sure it is. And well, and see this is part of the problem. Apple can't stop using the iTunes name because that's the brand and there's so much that's associated with the name iTunes that it it would be I think a mistake for Apple to ditch the name. So the the name iTunes needs to stick around. But uh, but ne- but then that leaves us with the bigger problem, which is iTunes does a lot more. So do, do we keep iTunes and that just handles music and music purchases and then have a split off app. That's, that's like a iMovie. Well, no, wait, that name's already taken. So, so iVideo and then, an, and then another one for, for podcasts and, uh, and then something else for managing apps. That's a, uh, that Apple is in a very tough place right now because Anything that they do to change iTunes, to make it a more manageable system, has a very high potential for breaking their commerce system. Because they have all these people that are buying content on multiple versions of OS X, and how can they easily split all of these things apart? and maintain compatibility with all of these older Macs that are out there. And Apple wants to make sure those people can still buy content, even if they're not updating their operating system or their computer.
1: And I think these days, people are kind of confused about what iTunes does. And I'll give you an example here. So we have this situation where a lot of people have not as yet upgraded to iOS 8. Now, I'm not talking about having older iOS hardware. And that's certainly an increasing amount exceptions. But part of the problem is Apple promoted the ability to do in-device updates. You don't need to hook it up to anything. You can run your iPhone and your iPad, etc. Self-contained. You download your updates, it's fine. Except when there's not enough room to process that update on the device, like a 16 gigabyte iPhone or an iPad. You've got a lot of stuff on it. And suddenly you want to install iOS 8. And now it's 8.1.1. There's not enough room. So Apple puts up a message saying there's not enough room. What do you do? Give it up. Now, now they are starting to send out emails and instructions to explain that you could do that update on iTunes. You don't have all that extra overhead. So you have a greater chance Mm -hmm. of having the update be successful. But you know, Apple's in a trap there because they said you didn't need to use iTunes. You could just do the updates on the device. Now you've got to, because this installation
19: process is so humongous. Right. And your iPhone is loaded up with photos and videos. And so there's just not room for, for the update to install. And okay. And part of the problem is the update, once it's installed, it doesn't need that extra space, but to do what it needs to do while it's actually making the install happen. That's where that extra space comes from. And that's, that's, what's biting a lot of people because now all of a sudden they can't actually get their, uh, their update to happen because even though there's enough space on their iPhone or iPad for it, once it's there, there's not enough space to make the install happen.
1: And to make it simple, you have the operating system. that's there though. Then you have the size of the replacement operating system. Okay. It's a, brand new copy of that operating system. Then you have processing overhead to move files
19: around. So suddenly one gigabyte becomes five. Right. And then at the end, it's like one and a half gigabytes, but still it's five in the meantime. And maybe you only have three and a half available on your iPhone. So in that case, now you have to go back and plug into iTunes and do the update from there.
1: But I think from the get go, if somebody from Apple just thought, wait a minute, When we put up the warning note about space, it should say, if you still want to run this update, please connect your device to iTunes on a Mac or a PC, and you can run the update there, and it'll probably be successful. Wouldn't that be a great thing for them to have done? Yes, and it would be so simple. It's just changing the lettering on a warning prompt. And obviously, if there still won't be enough space, even on iTunes installation, it says that then it says you got to remove stuff from your device but if it knows based on the figure that is calculated for space available space that the installation from itunes would be successful let you know about that inform the customer don't confuse them now of course they've sent out emails they have a memo on the support site but who visits the support site anyway who does that when you have a problem? Do you just call Apple and annoy them? I don't know. Well, Jeff most Gamet. people aren't going to I have to do the break. That. Jeff Gammett of the Mac Observers here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN.
10: What good is a big Berkey water filter?
17: Filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call one 99 berkey That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water.
16: If you need to say happy birthday...
14: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
1: On the Tech Night Owl live, we have Jeff Gamet from the Mac Observer. Now, in terms of iTunes, on your iDevice, you do have a podcasts application, you have a music app, so they've made efforts to subdivide the capabilities. But on your Mac or PC, the assumption here is it would be confusing. Even worse, it's not just making five new Mac apps, you know, for the movies and for the music and for the podcasts or whatever it's going to be, and the apps. You'd have to do the same on a PC, on Windows. And right now, Apple's already subdivided a little bit. I mean, you've got an iBooks app, you've got an App Store on your Mac, and you've got iTunes. And suddenly
19: you've got not one but three apps. Right. And and how do you ensure that if you're splitting everything out into multiple apps that people that are running older versions of OS10 or Windows that can't use the the multi-app approach because you know I'm assuming there'd be compatibility issues. How do you maintain the ability for those older versions of iTunes to continue to be able to to handle purchases through the App Store and the iTunes Music Store. And and I'm not sure if that's something that could easily be done. I mean, I would like to think it's as simple as, well, you we just make the app and it, and then it accesses the, the content that it really needs and, and it's all done. But I know in the coding world, things are never that simple. So it could be that Apple's stuck where They can't actually make that happen on the Mac without throwing out everything they've done before and alienating a lot of potential customers in the process. That's always a problem, of course, when you have a platform that becomes popular
1: and then for whatever reason, you've got to make a change. How do you make that change? Now, Apple is obviously adapted to the changed ways in which people use computers. They've got a tablet. They've got a smartphone. They've got a personal computer. And now, soon, they'll have a smartwatch. So they are adapting to the ways in which we change devices. But the software itself, I mean, that's a harder sell.
19: Yes, it is. And there's a lot of people that, that because something is working for them now, they see no value in, in changing, updating, upgrading, whatever. It's, they, they have something that works. Why would they mess with that? Of course. Why change horses in midstream? What do you think about iTunes 12? i'm I'm frustrated with it, but uh, pretty much in the same ways that I was frustrated with iTunes 11. and it, it's that it has the way the interface has changed, it makes it more difficult for me to to listen to my music the way that I want to. And uh, what I'm finding, and this is probably exactly what Apple wants, is that more often than not, if if I want to just have some background music playing, I turn on my television and fire up my Apple TV and listen to iTunes Radio and just let it stream. And the the fact that I'm doing that more and more often probably is exactly what Apple wants. They I, I think that they see streaming music as the the future of music revenue for them now. And they they will be paying less attention over time to making sure that we have a good experience with the content that we've already ripped to our hard drives and want to to listen to straight from our computer so i am okay with it on on some levels but I'm, i am having a lot of frustration with the interface
1: you know part of the thing i see one of the most common questions is the feeling that suddenly there's no sidebar there of course there is It's Suddenly becomes playlists. Right. That seems to be a kind of a strange decision on Apple's part. I understand technically they're correct. This is a playlist. And that's why you have the links in the sidebar. But everybody has been used to calling it a sidebar. So now you've changed the name of the interface for very logical reasons,
19: by the way. But that confuses people. Yeah, people have a hard time with that. And it, I, I am more than willing to admit that at first I was a little flummoxed and then I realized, oh, wait, my sidebar is still there. I just need to, to remember that I'm now calling it playlist. And so I adapted pretty pretty quickly, but I know there are a lot of people that, that are really not happy with, with the sidebar becoming the playlist bar, the playlist panel, whatever you want to call it.
1: Huh. Well... For, maybe apple will think about that for 12.1
19: or for 13. uh they could easily rename that just just as they did with the camera app on the iphone the, uh, the you know they brought back the the camera roll term and th- that had gone away with 8.0 but people really freaked out about that so with 8.1 they they renamed the uh the The photos, whatever they were calling it, the the photo list, they renamed it to camera roll and all of a sudden people were happy. And I'm pretty sure the only change that they made with that was that they they changed what they were calling it. It still does exactly the same thing as it did in 8.0.
1: I know we had a couple of complaints about Apple, and there it goes. I want to just get into a few more things here before we let you go and enjoy your holiday. And I want to thank you for joining us on a Thanksgiving weekend. Now, let's cover this other thing about Apple and about all the considerations here. Now, there was a story, I guess, last year or two, saying Apple is going to switch to Sapphire on Mm -hmm. Iphones. Of course, they use sapphire for touch ID. The touch ID sensor they use sapphire. They use sapphire for the camera. So there are certain values. I guess it becomes less
19: scratch prone. Is that what sapphire's advantage is? Yeah, it's it's uh, much harder than the glasses that that are being used on current smartphones. So yes, it, it is much more resistant to scratches than than most anything else. And the the trick is. You need to find the the right mix between the brittleness and the hardness that comes from Sapphire and having some flexibility in it also so that if you drop your phone, it doesn't just shatter. And it uh, it sounded like Apple had sorted that out and GTAT was supposed to make the glass for them. And that whole thing fell apart because GTAT wasn't able to uh, to follow through on that and So we don't have sapphire glass on the iPhone 6 or 6 Plus. Now, just for people to consider location, I live several miles away
1: from the GT plant that Apple financed in Mesa, Arizona. I think the question I have here is whether this company, GT Advanced, maybe oversold their capabilities to Apple, or Apple was too anxious
19: to get this deal going, or a combination, I think it's a combination. Uh, the, the original plan was Apple was going to buy the furnaces and then presumably have someone else make glass. And I have a feeling that GTAT, looking at what was happening with their, with their sales in, in their other divisions, because they, they were a, a sapphire glass furnace maker. They didn't actually make the glass. They made the furnaces. But they, they also did solar panels and a few other things. And the uh, the revenue in these other markets was on a decline, not, not like they were in dire straits, but it was on in a decline. And I think someone sat down and ran some numbers and was like, you know, if we made the glass instead of just selling the furnaces to Apple, we could be making a lot of money here. And I think they started just you know, pushing that on Apple, and Apple was really anxious to make this glass happen, and so Apple jumped to the conclusion that these guys already make the furnaces; they know how to do this stuff. Let's go ahead and cut kind a of deal with them and have them make all this glass for us. and And the Buels, the big globs of finished glass that that they make, GTAT said they could make them at uh, at like five hundred kilograms, which is substantially larger than than what's typically done and that would have been a, a money saver for apple and they couldn't do it and so they had to drop back to 300 like 320 kilogram mules and they still couldn't produce in the quantities that apple needed and uh, and, and i think there was mismanagement on their end and oppressive micromanagement on apple's end and between them they, they both made plenty of mistakes but I think GTAT oversold what they could do.
1: Maybe just looking at the big amounts of money and the credibility they get from Apple.
19: I, I think that became a big thing for them. It, they, they saw lots of dollar signs. And had they been able to to really come through on those promises, those dollar signs would have been a reality for them. And as it stands now, well, they went bankrupt. Yep, and- Apple
1: supposedly is going to consider some other ways to use that plant so you don't have hundreds of people losing their jobs. So, I guess the question we want to have in our next segment, Jeff Gamut, is Has Apple yet come to any conclusions? What's your speculation about what purpose that plant would serve? We have Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
9: UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN.
15: This holiday season, give the gift that keeps on giving, an in-home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With your very own freeze dryer, you'll be able to freeze dry the food your family loves. Because we live in uncertain, difficult times, what better way to show your love for your family than to buy them a gift that helps them preserve food they can use now or in 25 years? Go to HarvestRight.com and find out how you can get your in-home freeze dryer. Layaway is available. That's HarvestRight.com.
20: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the Freeze Dry Guy's three square meal unit sale is just the ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is Freeze Dry Guy's favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call Freeze Dry Guy and ask for details on the 120 26 serving three square meals unit. One case normally 164.37. Sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guy's Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866 404 or click freeze dry guy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and three square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available
7: for long term storage. Period.
1: last four
7: segments of
1: the tech night on live our thanksgiving weekend shindig or whatever we call this jeff gamut of the mac observers here we're talking about gt advanced technologies and the brouhaha over the mere effort of trying to build sapphire displays and how
19: apple's initial effort went wrong and boy did it go wrong wow Yeah. So now there's that factory that Apple has said they want to repurpose so that there are still jobs in the Mesa, Arizona area, but they haven't said anything about what their plans are. So I'm curious, does Apple plan on repurposing the factory so that it's making something for themselves or are they just going to lease it out to someone else to make whatever? And uh, and it could go either way. What I think would be awesome is if Apple had something that they could do themselves in that factory. And then it's still Apple related jobs in the area. And Apple is taking a very active role in helping the Mesa economy. I think that would be great. I think it's very safe to say it won't be Sapphire glass production in that factory. And right now there are reports coming out of China that Foxconn has a uh, signed a deal so that they can build a brand new factory in China that's going to make Sapphire Glass for Apple, which tells me that, uh, that we'll be seeing iPhones in the next year or so with Sapphire Glass surfaces on them. And, uh, and it also tells me Mesa, Arizona is not going to be a Sapphire manufacturing area anymore. All right. Of course, the company that makes
1: Gorilla Glass, Corning, is trying to claim how their latest technology, Gorilla Glass 4, is in many ways better, better fit for Apple. Pointing out that Sapphire is much more expensive to produce. In certain areas, their enhanced glass is actually better. What do you think?
19: Or does anyone even know? It's just a claim. I I would love to see a a prototype iPhone with the Gorilla Glass 4 on it and a prototype iPhone with the Sapphire Glass that Apple wants to use and put them head-to-head and see how they both hold up. I think that uh, Corning is in a position to be able to brag about their glass production because this is something that they've been experts at for a really long time. And they may very well be totally spot on by saying, look, Gorilla Glass 4 is going to be better than any sapphire synthetic sapphire glass that you can produce. Uh, but then again, there's also incentive for Corning to really push their products because they want to sell this stuff. So even if it's not truly better, of course they're going to say it's better, and they're going to find that the key points that they can they can hit that that back up that statement. Yeah, I think until we we actually see phones with that glass and then see what Apple really has in store, we can't definitively say if the the Gorilla Glass four is going to be better than whatever sapphire glass Apple's producing. And I'm assuming whatever Apple wants for sapphire, it is a special formulation that they have come up with and is not something that we're going to be seeing on other people's smartphones.
1: Well, that's one big thing about Apple. They want to come up with stuff that nobody can produce, then get a million
19: patents on the process and nobody even dares. Sure. And, and when you think about it, that, that's good business because they have, uh, they'll have complete control over something that, that is a very powerful differentiator between their products and their competitors. That's how Apple works. But then again, it's unfortunate
1: this thing happened. But it also supposedly or allegedly reveals Apple's practices in dealing with suppliers. And conspiracy theories abound, but most of it's about Apple wants to keep all this stuff secret. It's proprietary. You know, other companies
19: have no right to possess that information. And that seems reasonable. And that's that's the Apple way. It doesn't matter what they're working on. They like to keep it secret. All this news about Apple being essentially a bully in the negotiations and, and interactions that they have with their suppliers. The big surprise for me is that people were surprised to learn this. Apple is in the business to to make a profit. And they are very good. They are very shrewd at managing the uh, the deals that they have with their suppliers, and and it has worked out very well for them so far. The the deal that Apple swung with GTAT and the terms, I'm sure, is really not any different than than terms it has with with the other companies it works with. It just so happens we got to see more about that in this case than we have before. So we expect, of course, these things will continue to happen. There
15: goes Sapphire.
1: Are you betting here, if you're a betting man, that Apple is really
19: going to have a sapphire iPhone next year? If if I were a betting man, I would be more than happy to bet that Apple is making an iPhone with sapphire glass. The the big question for me, and this is something that Brian Chaffin and I were going back and forth about. Assuming that that this Foxconn factory does happen, is there a building in place that they're going to retrofit to, to make Sapphire, or do they have a big chunk of land where they have to start from scratch? If they have to start from scratch, it won't be in 2015, it'll be 2016 when we see the uh, the uh, Sapphire Glass iPhone. If the building is already there and all they have to do is retrofit, the 2015 iPhone will have Sapphire Glass.
1: All right. Well, I guess we'll see how that works Sapphire on an iPhone? Is it going to make a difference from a practical matter? Less scratch-prone, prone, more resilient to damage,
19: really? I, I think it will have a nominal physical impact and will have a very dramatic psychological impact. And people are going to want to buy this simply because it's Sapphire and they perceive it as better.
1: And the question is here, Apple was still going to have to answer the matter of production costs. Can they bring production costs to a point where they're not much
19: different from this enhanced glass? And I guess nobody can guess what Apple comes up with. That's true. But I'm guessing Apple thinks they can because otherwise they really wouldn't go with a sapphire glass. Apple issues. One other issue is about
1: iMessages. And this is complicated and maybe you can explain to our listeners this may go on for a while here. So we have iMessages, which is Apple's exclusive messaging system. Okay? Mm-hmm. And on your iPhone, on your now with continuity, even on your Mac. The messaging system is integrated. So it's either Apple's proprietary messages system, iMessages, or SMS messages. For most people it's probably difficult to know the difference. But now you decide for whatever reason, and that's your right to do you don't want an iPhone. You want an Android phone. You want a Samsung phone. So you go to the Samsung phone and suddenly your messaging is screwed up because you forgot to cancel iMessages first before you made the switch. What's
19: going on? This has been a problem for years, but it became a big issue. Well, just this last year, it's or at least it, it got a lot of widespread coverage and I look at this as a place where Apple actually did uh, fail to really sort out how to handle a system. Because as great as, as it would be for Apple, if once someone buys an iPhone, they never buy a, a smartphone from another company, that's not the reality. There are people that, that will buy iPhones and realize it's not the right thing for them. So they need an Android phone and there's people that switch back and forth depending on what deals are available. So, yeah, so this whole thing with messages getting stuck and not delivered was, was a big deal. And, and, okay, so for people that don't know the details, if you were an iPhone user and you had your iCloud account and Messages was, was using your Apple ID to manage all your messages, anyone else with an iPhone would get an iMessage from you instead of a regular SMS. What happens is that if you get rid of your iPhone, but you haven't shut off that feature, then, then iMessages from the other people will send messages right into Apple servers and they appear as if they've been delivered, but they never get to the recipient because now they're on an Android phone or a Windows phone. And so uh, so that became a big deal. Apple's actually been sued over it. And they addressed a server-side issue with that earlier this year and, uh, and pushed out an update to our iPhones to, to address that. And then I'm going to ask you what that
1: is in our next segment. Jeff Emmett of the Mac Observer is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
18: Call for your free copy at 1 800 686 2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1 800 686 2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1 800 686 2237.
10: What good is a big Berkey water filter?
17: filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at bigberkeywaterfilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call one 99 berkey That's eight seven seven ninety nine 99 berkey Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water.
15: On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste, and even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit alcavision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to alcavision.com
14: what are you listening to the tech night isle live with gene steinberg what's going to happen next you never know
1: so what change did apple push out to their servers to address this problem where you switch from an iPhone to an Android phone, and suddenly your messaging is gone. A very key feature of your smartphone experience. Jeff Gammon of the Mac
19: Observer, please explain. The explanation is very short. Apple did not tell us what they changed, so we don't know what they did. But what we do know is that a few weeks ago, they released a, a special web page or posted a special web page that you can go to to force your phone number to detach from iMessage. While on one hand, that's really lame that you have to do that, assuming that you're not getting your messages. It's also really good that Apple did this, so people have a fix. Now we'll bring in a third other hand. It's really lame that this is something that they had to do at all. They should have des- designed their system so that, that when you stopped using your iPhone, that your messages didn't get lost in, in an iMessage Ether somewhere. So yeah, Apple's been pretty quiet about what they did other than giving us this uh, this how to unstick your phone number web page. Now, I understand why this is on the down low,
1: of course, when people switch because they don't want you to switch. The key is here, once they make it difficult for the customer, that becomes a problem. Is there another way of programming this to make the integration work better so if you leave the iMessages system, you don't have to go through this manual labor stuff?
19: Since I'm not a coder, these are very easy answers for me. The short answer is yes, absolutely, there's another way to code it. The The other side of that, though, is can that be done in a way that doesn't completely break what's already there? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm going to guess the answer is no. And that app was very short-sighted or narrow-minded when they created iMessage initially and didn't even take into consideration what would be involved in, in unlinking your smartphone number from your iMessage account if you stopped using iMessage, either as an iPhone user or as someone that's switching to Android or Windows phone. So the key here is they figure you'll never switch. Never,
1: ever. And therefore, when you do, suddenly they
19: really didn't pay much attention to the process of fixing it. Right. And while I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that think this is intentional on Apple's part, like they wanted to make it as difficult to not use an iPhone as possible, I think this really comes down to Apple being arrogant and not really thinking that people would be switching. And so it just simply didn't occur to them to create iMessage so that it had an easy out if you weren't going to use the, the iMessage server to handle your text messages.
1: Well, you know, I wonder if more people are moving from Android now that Apple has larger
19: smartphones, you know, iPhone 6 Plus especially. You know, I th- from the numbers that, that I've been seeing just floating around the, the web, it looks like the bigger screen iPhones have been a, a draw, for Android users and you are seeing people switching to or switching back to the iPhone. And, and of course that's a good thing for Apple because it's more sales. And as long as Apple can keep those customers happy so that they aren't switching to other phones, well, ultimately it doesn't matter what they've fixed or haven't in iMessage because, no one would would know that there's a problem but i hope that they're doing something in the in the background to make sure that this problem is less of an issue in the future
1: lesson learned and of course if there's a class action lawsuit as there appears to be what's going to happen well some people will get the ten dollar coupon for itunes of course they're not using itunes so what happens then (laughs)
19: <laughs> so then they give the coupon to one of their friends that does use itunes and and in the meantime they also complain about how uh apple intentionally screwed them over and that uh, this is just part of their plan and and getting a ten dollar gift card is salt in the wound now in recent years the lesser tech journalist and i don't want to
1: call jeff lesser of course But the ones who don't work for the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or Yahoo or Recode or CNET always have to ask a little bit harder to get review gear. But Apple did send me just this past week an iPad Air 2 in silver, fully outfitted 128 gigabyte storage, choice of two cases, so I can evaluate a black leather case or a blue plastic case smart cover Mm -hmm. now the first observation i'll make before we talk about the ipad air 2 is the fact that i don't like the smart cover because it always seems flimsy because of the magnetic strips that attach it but with the full cover you just insert it into that position and you cover it up and that's better i think that's a better way a more secure way what do you think
19: i i like that the new cover is more secure However, the old magnetic style that we had on the iPad 2 and iPad 3, well, and I guess on the iPad 4 as well, those magnets were pretty strong, and, and I really loved the dark blue leather smart cover from those days. So that, that's something I, I, I really miss now. But, uh, but I do like how the new style, where, where you actually stick the, the iPad completely in the case, I like how that's secure. I, I like that a lot.
1: Now, my it, wife is the iPad user here. So she was using a third generation iPad, and I said, okay, give this your hands on. What do you think? Of course, the one thing she likes is the fact that it's so much lighter. And remember, we're talking about an original iPad, the third generation, and now we have iPad Air 2, which is kind of like the sixth generation, right? Let's we see, have wait. the 3, the 4, the iPad Air, the iPad Air 2, 6th generation. And it's maybe half the weight of the original one. So that, to her, is a revelation already.
19: Sure. and Yeah, and if you're coming from, a, from an older iPad to an iPad Air 2, I mean, th- this is a huge change. If Going from an iPad Air to an iPad Air 2, well, I I haven't made that switch, but... I have played with an iPad Air 2, and I was surprised at just how much thinner it does feel. But for a lot of people, that's, that's not going to be that big of a deal. But uh, I, I, I can imagine for anyone that's coming from, from a 4 or earlier, it's, it's like a radical change to the iPad line for them.
1: I think that's as much as they could have done. In a single year, and they know the people who will buy it will be either be new customers to iPad or upgraders from a one, two, three, and four. So, therefore, the people who own iPad Airs they don't expect them to upgrade every year.
19: No, I, I think when Apple first introduced the iPad, they were hoping that they could get a, a purchase cycle where people would upgrade every year. And the reality is that's not what's happening for most people. And Apple gets that now. So I think that they are looking at how they can can change each version of the iPad each year so that it's compelling for the people that that are like two generations back. And for the people that are in the current generation, then, you know, if they're some of the ones to upgrade every year, they get something cool and new with that. But it's not as critical a thing for for someone to upgrade every single year. Jeff
1: Gamet of the Mac Observer is joining us for a couple of more segments. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the
9: Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN.
20: Breakfast, lunch, and dinner—three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys' three-square meal unit sale is just the ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guy's favorite: hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the hundred and twenty. 26 serving 3 square meals unit. One case normally 164.37, sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get 2 or 3 cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys fall chili special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the fall chili special and 3 square meals unit are on sale while supplies last from The Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage. Period.
14: With Gene Steinberg, you never know what's going to happen next. Tech
1: Night
15: Owl
1: Plus, Tech Night Owl Plus is our new premium service. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P L U S dot technightowl.com to get all the particulars and how to sign up. It's $5 a month, $50 for the year. You get the premium version of the show, ad-free, higher resolution copy, better audio. There'll be other features added over time, Tech Night Owl Plus. So check it out. This is not an ad. This is just an announcement as to what we have. We've added changes, by the way. We're still looking for ways to Send out RSS feeds because it's a premium service. How does that work with iTunes? Maybe some of the people over at Mac Observer can advise me on this. The other thing we're looking into is how to add more features and make it easier to add the premium version of the show to your iTunes library. We've already added an integrated player window. That's a new feature. So we'll continue looking. Jeff, do you have any ideas how we deal with something
19: like that? A premium podcast First off, I think it's totally awesome that you're doing the premium co- podcast thing. That really is great. So, so congratulations. Thank you. Um, as far as getting the premium content so that it shows up the way people expect it to and, uh, and, and it works the way you expect it to, I have been lucky in that I have not had to, to address that directly myself. I always get to turn back to Dave Hamilton for that because he makes, he makes that happen. Yeah, I know there are ways to do it, and it's and it's working well. Ken Ray does it with Mac OS Ken Adam Christensen does it with with the MacCast. So it's it's totally possible to do, and and is attainable by mere mortals like us. Well, we use something called the Resource
1: Manager, which is part of ZenForo. That's the forum software we use. So I am um, welcome the information. Maybe you could hook us up with the people there and let's see if they have an idea of how we can take the structure and do it in a way that makes it more flexible for people. Of course, you're still going to have the free version of the show. It's still going to have the normal complement of advertising as you expect with commercial radio still available from iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, GCN Live Network at GCNlive.com. That doesn't change. It's just an add-on feature. We're talking about... A lot of stuff catches catch can here about the iPad Air 2 and about the fact that sales have kind of stalled here. And one of the reasons being the upgrade cycle, maybe Apple was thinking smartphones every two years, iPads every two years, or maybe Apple realized this all along and knew that at some point sales would stall and they'd have to move out and expand the market somehow. So does doing it with IBM, getting more business people to embrace iPads, is that what Resumes the growth.
19: Well, okay. First, I think "stall" is too strong of a word. Sales aren't as strong as they were, and that's and that's different from stalling. Uh, but that said, sales are not what they were. And I think partnering with IBM is uh, is a really smart move on Apple's part because it's it's pretty clear that the enterprise market wants iPads. So how do you most efficiently get in the door so that you can get these IT departments that that do purchase orders of a thousand iPads at a time so, so you can be in their face? This is not something Apple is good at. This is not something Apple has ever been good at. And I mean, they they did an excellent job up through the 90s of making IT departments not want to work with them because it, it was just uh, promises that couldn't be kept. It, it was uh, lack of information when it needed to be there. Partnering with IBM, who totally gets how to work with that market segment, is really smart. Give IBM the iPads, send them in to do their thing, and, uh, and you start selling. A, a Very smart move. And right now,
1: that's something that you won't see the results from until next year. Now, for the holiday season, do we see more people wanting to buy iPads now? There was a survey done by one publication saying that because of the larger iPhones, the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus, people spend more of their time reading and consuming entertainment on the larger iPhones, and suddenly one of the needs of the tablet is no longer there. And maybe that impacts the iPad Mini more than the iPad Air 2, the full-size one.
19: I, I would think that impacts the iPad mini more than the iPad Air 2. I'm totally with you on that. And with the bigger screens, sure, for a lot of people, the iPhone suddenly becomes a device that, that totally meets their needs for the way they want to consume media. And for those people, great. The way I see it for the average consumer, if, if it's all about screen sizes, yeah, then maybe the iPhone 6 Plus is a device that they would want because now they have something that's approaching tablet size for watching videos, but is still small enough that it can fit into many people's pockets, so they still have their phone, they've bought one device instead of two. For a lot of other people though, it's about how you use the devices. So, so for me, I bought an iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus was a completely inappropriate device. I also have an iPad mini, first generation, and an iPad Air. And I use all of those portable devices in different ways. They, they, they all have different purposes for me. And I'm okay with that. But if I was in a position where I needed to combine all of that as, as much as I could, then I'd probably look at the iPhone 6. I think there's a lot of people that are doing that. Well, I think also here
1: with Apple, people don't understand that a sale is a sale. So if Apple sells you an iPhone instead of an iPad mini, or encourages you to do that kind of update, it's still a sale. I mean, Apple is still selling the very cheapest first generation iPad mini for $249 for those who care about prices. But the other issue here, and this is something I read at a rival site, don't know if you've heard about this, Daniel Aaron Dilger is pointing out how it's been revealed that a lot of the cheap tablets, Android tablets, have severe security
19: problems yeah, how about that? yeah and, uh, and and this this is a big issue because a lot of people when they're shopping for a tablet or a smartphone, they're not people like us. That are on the inside and in the whole tech world, and so we know about these things like these security issues. So you have people that 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 are thinking, well, geez, I can spend five hundred dollars on an iPad, or I can spend sixty dollars on this Android tablet at uh, at the at the local electronics store, and they're both tablets, so they must be the same thing. I'll just spend the sixty dollars and save all this money, and now they have uh, an inferior product, hardware wise and performance wise and it's, uh, it's probably running an old version of Android that hasn't been patched, and you have all these security issues that, that go along with the way they design the product, this is really bad, and this is going to burn a lot, of, a lot of consumers that aren't in a position to know any better.
1: And the thing to realize, if they buy a tablet, it kind of sort of looks like an iPad, and they use it, and it's not very good. Now, they're not going to say, you know what, I should have bought an iPad, they will very likely say in many cases, I'm not going to buy a tablet anymore because they're not very good. They're junk. They don't see yep. the perception of Apple has all these tablet-optimized apps, but Android still
19: doesn't. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely right. There there will be a handful of people that will realize that their purchase decision was not appropriate for them and they should have bought an iPad, and then they do. But I think there will be more people and have been more people that buy uh, a really cheap android tablet and it turns out to be junk and so they equate that as all tablets are junk i will never buy another tablet again and then that becomes a lost ipad sale
1: it's not the same thing as a smartphone i need a smartphone if i buy an android smartphone it doesn't work well i guess i will buy the iphone next time they see that as a recurring purchase not a one-time thing a recurring purchase they know they're going to buy another smartphone a year or two years hence and so they could move from one model to the next it's not a big deal having no smartphone is a big deal but the tablet is still not indispensable that's the issue too how does apple make that indispensable and thus people will be inclined to move to apple if their android experiences aren't so good jeff gamut of the mac observer is joining us i'm gene steinberger
9: in the tech night out live the nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network the genesis communications network g c n neighbors are you tired of dealing with a slow
1: web hosting provider well check out a2 hosting and their screaming fast swift server platform They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors. Head on over to A2Hosting.com. That's A2. That's number two. A2Hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors. They're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount For all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check
8: out.
10: Before it close. You can't afford to wait. So call 91 steel. Lock in your price now. Call 91 steel. That's eight six six nine one seven eighty three thirty five.
18: Have you noticed that in a disaster, the store shelves are emptied? Don't panic. You don't have to be part of the fear and chaos if you have a supply of Go Foods. Go Foods can help you rest easy, knowing your greatest dependency of food is covered. Call now to take advantage of our Freedom Packs or set up your food savings account. Call us at 1-800-648-9753 or on the web at www.storefoodnow.com. That's 1-800-648-9753 or www.storefoodnow.com.
14: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going
1: to happen next. Jeff Gabbett of the Mac Observer. We're talking here about the iPad Air 2, about the flat sales of iPads, about the reaction to tablets and whether Apple can do more to make the iPad seem indispensable in such a way that if people buy brand X, next time they will want to buy a new one, not just give up on the platform or on the particular type of product.
19: I think that getting to the point where people look at the iPad as an indispensable device, like well, like their smartphone today. That's actually a matter of time. And that's something that will come slowly as people change how they use their computers. And so as these tablets, not just from Apple, but from everyone else, become more powerful and more capable, then the need to have a full desktop or laptop computer starts to diminish for for many, many people. Once we hit the tipping point where our tablets can do so much that the average user really doesn't need to have anything more, then it becomes an indispensable device. And and then we'll see people looking at iPads as an alternative when they buy a crappy Android tablet that doesn't work, as opposed to just looking at this as a reason to exit the market. So at this point, that pitch has not been made yet, successfully. Not to I don't think to the average consumer, no. Although there are some market segments where ipads are becoming the first computer for someone and a, a perfect example will be my mom so my my dad he has his iMac and uh, and he's he's always been happy with the Macs that he that he buys mom never gets to use the computer and so she was lamenting the fact that she didn't have her own thing but she really didn't want want to have an iMac so after she had a, a stroke we decided, let's buy mom an iPad. She now has her own computer. It's a device that, that she can use anywhere she sits. Plus, we can get all these apps that, that will help with the, uh, the mental training that she needed to do to, to help with her recovery. And that's been her only computer. And she is quite happy. Have, it's actually an iPad Mini that that's her computer, and uh, Dad doesn't get to touch it. She's doing her email and uh, and her text messaging there, and looking at the photos of you know everyone that she wants to see. And it's a great thing, and actually led to Mom and Dad both deciding they should get iPhone five C's. So now my parents are in the smartphone world. Mom has her only computer, which is an iPad. And I think this is something that Apple was anticipating. And so they've evolved their mobile devices so that they already can work as fully standalone products. You don't need to have a computer to go with them. And so they're ready to go once people just in the mainstream, start looking at tablets as an alternative to their only computer. Will it happen soon enough, I wonder? You know, for Apple, Apple's in this for the long haul. And it doesn't matter if people start looking at tablets as an every, every year or every other year upgrade cycle, because they're still buying iPhones. And, and a tablet sale for, for Apple that's lost to an iPhone is still a win. It sounds like it is to me, too. Yeah, th- this is a great problem to have. You're cannibalizing your own sales with your own products. One of the things, of course, that a lot of these other companies just don't comprehend. No. Yeah, so many, so many other companies, they look at uh, at sales as something that they need to steal from someone else, as opposed to something that they can redirect within their own product ecosystem. Apple's very good at that. And they make more profit, by the way, from selling you an iPhone. Oh yeah, see, there is that. So, so for Apple, if uh, if they have to, and I'm doing air quotes, downsell someone to an iPhone from an iPad, they win. I mean, they've kept, they've kept the customer, and they they get uh, higher profit. So there you go. Sounds good to me too.
1: Of course, when you add up the numbers, and we'll be mentioning this over and over again, Apple actually makes more money from selling you an iPhone than
19: from selling you an iPad. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, a, it's an excellent business model. It seems to be working well for Apple. I'll
1: tell you the truth about tablets. With me, I've tried the iPad for quite a while. My wife has one. I could never, ever, well, hardly ever, confirm to myself the usefulness for it. I have the iPhone I like. I have my Mac I like. The iPad, well, let me tell you this. I have the iPad Air 2 here. I'll continue to work with it. Let's see what I have to report maybe by next week.
19: You know, there's nothing wrong with not being able to find a good use for yourself for an iPad or any other tablet. I mean, it's like it's like any other tool. If it's not a tool that's useful to you, then it's just not a tool that's useful to you. And, that, and that's all there is to it. For, for me, I have... Uh, very different uses for my iPhone, for both of my iPads, and and I have a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air, and those get used in different ways as well, too. So, yeah, so some people, maybe not a use at all for a tablet, or then someone like me, where I have two different size tablets that, that I use regularly and for different functions. And that's okay. A lot of times, I can actually go out with my iPad Air as my only computer for for like a weekend. And do everything that I need to do. As, as soon as I can run uh, something as efficiently as Photoshop on my Mac, on my iPad, then I can actually start using my tablet for, uh, for like week-long trips. But un- until then, those longer trips, it'll still be a computer going along with me. But I totally get why you you might be in a position where a tablet just doesn't do anything for you. I mean if there's if there's no valid use for you for the device, then it's not worth spending the money on.
1: Well, I'll keep trying though. I'm gonna try to get a keyboard for the iPad and see if that works. Have you worked with keyboards at all?
19: I have. And for a lot of I know a lot of people that have found that having a keyboard makes their iPad substantially more useful as as a production device for them i found that i can type really well with the on-screen keyboard and yes i know i'm an anomaly so i i don't use an external keyboard but uh, for a lot of people that makes all the difference in the world and suddenly they have a device that they can travel around with that replaces their computer
1: and I think for the future, it will be. And for some people, I know it's the only computer. My wife never liked my Mac, but she's been using an iPad and loves it. So I gave her the chance to experiment with our test iPad Air 2 to see if she likes it. And, you know, you never know. Maybe it's sometime in the future after we have to deal with returning this to Apple because they'll want it back. She'll consider whether to buy one or not. So we'll sure. And my sister-in-law might also get one.
19: That's really cool. Uh, but for for people where it's the right device, I think it's an excellent purchase. An iPad? A replacement
1: for your Mac or PC? Good question. Jeff Gamut. please tell our listeners where we
19: can find more of the things you do. Well, sure. And, and first, thanks for having me on because I, I always enjoy uh, being on your show. So thank you. You can find me at MacObserver.com along with a, a lot of other excellent writers. You can find me on the new podcast we started earlier this year, TMO's daily observations, also Apple context machine and the iOS show. And uh, on Twitter, I'm Jay Gamut. I also have my own blog, fresh brewed tales, where I write about the, the crazy things I see people do in coffee shops. That sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. It pretty much is. That's, of course, we are crazy. That's how we get in this business. Let me
1: tell our listeners, if you want to learn more about our premium package, go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. $5 a month, $50 a year. You get the ad-free version of the show in higher resolution. Another benefits coming, plus.theparacast.com. Also check us out on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called Paracast. And this week, we'll be talking with a former naval optical specialist about a book called the FBI-CIA UFO Connection. That's Dr. Bruce McAbee on Paracast.com. Paracast.com. Check it out. Check it out. Jeff Gamet, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. And thank you for
19: having me. It's always fun.